We're going to read Proverbs um, 31, 10 through 31. Okay, we're going to pick up at verse 10. I'm reading from the ESV this morning, and it reads like this. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands, and she is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, which is just a tool for spinning wool, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity, this is one of my favorite verses, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She's not lazy. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for this time this morning. We know that your word is finished and complete and powerful. And so we ask that you would teach us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. I don't want to forget my wonderful mother-in-law as well, Claudia. uh, My goodness, I don't know what we would do without Claudia. She's babysitting for us a lot right now. Natalie and I both both work full-time. She has a baby in her hand right now. Uh, (laughs) And she loves being a grandma. It's evident in the way that she lives her life. But um, Claudia, thank you for all that you do for us as well. I don't want to go without mentioning you. So thank you. Claudia is also a wonderful cook. Probably many of the baked items you've had at this church she baked, so she's, uh, she's awesome. So Proverbs 31. Well, a little bit of uh, context on what we're reading here. Proverbs 31 is one of 13 alphabetical acrostic poems in the Bible. What does that mean? Well, what it means is that it's a Hebrew poem that each line begins with a successive letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So we're reading a poem, verses 10 through 31 are uh, a poem. And they're most likely from King Solomon. Uh, Now, Lemuel is the author mentioned for chapter 31 for the first nine verses, which is a section we didn't get into today. But we don't know exactly who wrote 10 through 31. Uh, We would venture to say that it is still Lemuel. now, who King Lemuel is, we don't know. We have very little uh, history on who this guy is. There are a couple theories uh, for what they're worth this morning. As students of the Bible, here's a couple thoughts on who Lemuel might be. It might be King Solomon. It might be that this is Solomon just continuing to write in Proverbs. This is a pet name maybe that his mother gave him. And if it is Solomon, then his mother is Bathsheba. And so we know the story of David and Bathsheba more than likely. If you don't know that story, it's an interesting story. You can read it. You can, that's actually a, a very low moment for King David if you know Bathsheba, right? But we know that God uses all things for the good of those who love him. And so even out of Bathsheba, we see now Solomon comes, and there's a lot of good that still comes even from one of David's lowest moments in Scripture. We also know that um, an, another theory is that Lemuel is actually King Hezekiah, uh, we, maybe. And a third theory is that Lemuel and his mother are actually just fictional characters created by Solomon to paint a picture of an ideal king and queen mother. Nonetheless, whoever the author is, is not the most important thing as much as there are beautiful principles here from the mouth of our Lord on what a godly woman looks like. So uh, raise your hand if you are not, if you are a man who's not married. I'm sorry, I'm not calling you out, but okay. So there's a lot here for you today as you are looking for a spouse. So take some notes today. There are things in here that you want to you wanna be looking for when you're looking for a lady to marry, okay? Um, 
And then if you are married, there's a lot of lessons in here for how to be a better wife. I would hope that all the wives in here this morning want to be better wives. Yeah? That sound good? Okay. And husbands, there's some stuff in here for you too. So you're, some of you were like, Proverbs 31, Psh, I'm chilling today. No, no, we got some stuff for you guys, so don't, don't get too comfy, okay? The goal, though, is that you'd be encouraged this morning. And if you are not married, maybe um, you were married, and if, you are, and if this day brings loss uh, uh, to the surface for you, my heart goes out to you. I know that this day may not be a great day for some. It's a great day for some. It's not a great day for others who maybe have broken relationships and stuff. So I want to be sensitive to that. I realize that there are a lot of different seasons of life represented here this morning. Um, but where we are in our text this morning is predominantly for the married woman, but there are lessons for all of us about principles of being a Christian, a God-fearing Christian. So verse 10 says, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels, and the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will give, he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. An excellent wife who can find. I remember when I first met Natalie. Uh, it was years ago. We were, I uh, would have been, I was 16, I think. And she showed up, 17 maybe, and she showed up at youth group. Uh, I think she had a boyfriend. And I didn't really think much of it. I obviously thought she was pretty. I was like, oh, that's a nice looking young girl. And I was a leader in the youth group. I was leading worship that night. And I was at the door just welcoming new people to the church, uh, to our youth group. And I just said hi to her. And that was about our only interaction. And I don't think we talked for years after that. In fact, she actually hung out with my younger brothers um, who are more similar in age. She's four years younger than me. And Nathan is four years younger than me. So she was with a group of peers from the youth group that had kind of cultivated a friendship. And I would always hear about Natalie and see Natalie in different, you know, groups. And it wasn't until years later that uh, her and I actually got to know each other because we began serving in ministry together. And I will tell you that far beyond uh, Natalie, I think is the most beautiful woman on the planet, but I will tell you that far beyond Natalie's physical, uh, the attraction that I had to her physically, I was attracted to Natalie really because I started to see her heart for other people. And we began serving in a ministry where we would go into high schools and uh, we would do worship and we'd give out food and we would preach the gospel in these lunch times at different schools throughout Corona. And I started to get to know her just through that ministry. No intention of dating her, no intention of, even, I didn't even think of anything uh, beyond that. And we just started to get to know each other as we were serving next to each other. I will tell you to the young men and women who are not yet married, or for anyone looking for a spouse, that's a great way to get to know your spouse as just beginning to cultivate a friendship where you are serving the Lord together. Because you start to see that person's heart for ministry. And I knew at that point in my life that I wanted to be in ministry and so the fact that Natalie was going out of her way on her own time to serve in this ministry was something that was attractive to me because I thought, this is a, a young woman that I could see we could make things work if I end up being in full-time ministry. And lo and behold, that's what happened. But I will tell you that the thing that really attracted me to Natalie beyond all the other things was really her heart for people. I saw in my wife a desire to be kind. And I really can say that Natalie has a heart for other people. I see it in her life on a regular basis. Is she perfect? No. Does she get frustrated with people like everybody else? Yes. And sometimes she comes home and she tells me about those frustrations, right? And any good husband will just be quiet and listen, which I don't always do. Sometimes I'm like, who are they? I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out, right? All the men want to solve all the problems. But my wife is precious. So my first question for you men this morning is do you see your spouse as precious? I think we like that idea. Oh, of course I, I think my wife is precious. But you can tell her, babe, you're precious. But if your actions do not reflect those words, they're just words. Just as anybody can make any claim about anything, but if it's not followed up with evidence, well, then it doesn't hold much weight. The guys, I think, in our sin and in our flesh, we struggle to make our wife feel valued. We get so busy doing things, and, you know, I was even, I gave you an example kind of half-heartedly earlier, but that's real. We'll, we'll be going somewhere, and I'll look at my wife and think, oh, you look great. 
My wife just had a baby. There's all these things that come with having a baby, right? And she, she wants to know that I think she's attractive. And sometimes I'll think it in my head, and then I'm like, you got diapers in there? You know, like, I just get right to business. Like, we're right to what we got to get to. Guys, remind your wife on a regular basis how much you value her and how much you appreciate her because she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of the husband trusts in her. Ladies, have you cultivated a relationship with your husband that he can trust you? Well, what does that look like? Well, it looks like encouragement and regular communication and a healthy level of intimacy far beyond physical intimacy. It comes with actually talking to each other. Did you know you have to do that when you're married? Yeah, you got to actually talk to each other. It's crazy. You know, Marriage is a representation in so many ways of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. How many of you have found that if you only show up to church once a week, you don't really get poured into too much? Maybe some of you are in that spot right now. You show up here one Sunday, you warm a pew for about an hour and a half, and then you go home, and you're fighting battles all week. This will not sustain you. This will not sustain you. You need more. You need to be in your word and in regular communication with the God who loves you and will supply all that you need. And in the same way, your marriage is like that. You must be communicating with each other. And she does him in verse 12, good and not harm. Robert Alter, in his commentary on Proverbs 31, says this about verse 10. Some have proposed that the term invites us to see this exemplary wife as a heroic figure, a kind of domestic warrior, It is noteworthy, hear this, that the editors chose to conclude the book in which instruction by male mentors to young male uh, men predominates with a portrait of an ideal wife. Who you marry is a big deal. But once you marry them, you have made a vow and a covenant before God until death separates you. So if you're having issues this morning in your marriage, welcome to the club. Every marriage in this room has issues. And I bet you, I'll tell you, in ministry, this is something I've really come to the realization is that people can look really good for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. Oh, I'm just doing great. God is good. Then you get in the car and you and your spouse are like strangers. And the most conversation you have is, about the kids and where you're going to eat and maybe bills that need to be paid. And then you look at each other and you wonder, what happened to us? What happened to the intimacy that we once had? Well, try talking to each other. Men, try actually turning the TV off. I struggle with this, man. I am a I am a busy body. I know it. I got to be doing something. Somebody tells me to sit still and I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hold on, let me just fix this one thing, right? And I'm also slightly OCD, so if something's like, if there's a picture frame that's crooked on the wall, I'm like, I could be at a stranger's house, and I'm like, just want to help you out there, right? I don't have it as bad as Pastor Matthew, but that's okay. But we need to be able to just be able to give our wives attention. Attention, just your attention. You know that God asks for the same thing. He just wants your attention this morning. Some of you are fighting the temptation right now to check your Instagram. It can wait. God is worthy of your attention. And in the same way as we reflect the relationship between Christ and his church in our marriages, our spouses need our time and attention. Be present. Now, to the ladies, this can be the same thing. Your, your husband comes home from a long day. He's processing things from whatever he might have dealt with that day. You've, you're dealing with your things. And the temptation is that the two of you just figure it out on your own and live in your, live in your own world, if you will. And you guys never have that intimacy of re- relationship and talking and communicating with each other. But I don't think it's a coincidence that at the end of all of this wisdom, we land on this last poem here, of the ideal wife and what she looks like. Our wives are precious. In the same way, we need to show respect. And that that is a huge aspect of our relationship. And men need respect. In fact, I would say that 
the worst fights Natalie and I have ever had, transparency here, are, are not when we had a real big thing that happened like where it was worth fighting over if there's anything actually worth fighting over because usually it's not worth it. But it's usually when I made her feel unloved or when she made me feel disrespected. Right? Are we willing to acknowledge that this morning as a group of people that want to be better and want to see the Lord glorified in our relationships? That's true. The guy wants respect and the wife wants to be loved. Of course, she wants respect too and the man wants love and it all goes full circle. But these are components of a biblical marriage that must be there. And this is a tough one sometimes for the ladies. Sometimes, frankly, I see marriage relationships and I see the way that a man treats his wife and I think, man, I wouldn't want to respect him either. Oh my goodness. Sometimes I will, I will hear the way, you, you ever been at the grocery store, you're just going about your day and you hear the way that other men talk about their wives? It's shameful. I mean, far be it from us guys to be somewhere and to run our wife through the mud. Look, there's a difference between confiding in a brother that you trust and, and asking for advice and prayer and just running your wife over the coals. And far be it from us to ever be in a place where we are talking about our wives in a way that tears their character down and they're not even there. Shame on us if we do that. We need to be supporting our spouses. We need to have our spouses back. I remember years ago, I was listening to a Focus on the Family uh, interview with a couple that had wrote, uh, written a book on marriage. And the guy said something I'll never forget. He said, if even if we are in a, say we're at a dinner party and he painted this picture and my wife says something that I know is wrong, <laughs> right? He's like, maybe she's talking about statistics on sports or whatever. It could be something small and dumb like that or it could be like a political thing. And, and she says something and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh honey, that is wrong. Like that's not the right, nope, you got that mixed up. He said, I will never, and he said this, I will never correct her in front of other people like that. I will, I will take her side and support her through thick and thin. And then when we get home or we get in the car, I'll say, hey, babe, you know, you said that thing earlier. And actually, I don't know if you know this, but in a loving way, I'll communicate to her maybe where she was mistaken. And vice versa. The wife talked about the same thing. Yeah, sometimes, probably more often than not, it's the guy who's like, oh, I mean, I saw it on TV and it seemed legit, right? Usually the guys are the ones that the wife has to bail out a little bit with uh, the tongue here that can get us in a lot of trouble, which we're going to talk about. But I, I will never forget hearing that interview as a kid and thinking, wow, that's, that's love. Like, I'm going to take the fall with you, even if I know you're wrong, because that's how much I want to have your back and support you. Amen? Amen. Honestly, I think sometimes we need to just take a step back and ask the very simple question, how do I want my spouse to treat me? And then I will try to treat them the same. You know, this is a tough subject. I want to just turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 for just a minute and look at something here. 1 Peter chapter 3. This is Peter writing um, about marriage. And I think it's just worth our time for a couple minutes here. We're just going to look at this little section, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. He says this. Uh, this is predominantly probably to wives whose husbands are not Christians, which unfortunately does represent a lot of ladies in churches these days who are coming to church and they are on their own. The husband is not in support of what's happening. Sometimes it's the other way around as well. But he says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external. So this is for you this morning, ladies. Whether your marriage is doing great or not, I think this is a valuable piece of advice. Don't let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden, this is beautiful, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is what? Oh, that was really sad. What is it? Okay. All right, cool. You guys are here. All right. And then verse five. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You can see this in Genesis 18. And you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Men, there's more for you in First Peter 3. We don't have time today, but just know. 
Peter talks about you too. So you can go home. That can be, wives, that can be the family devotion tonight, all right? You can do First Peter 3, uh, 8. You can pick up right there. That was a joke, but okay. You guys all right? Maybe I'm not very funny. That could be part of what it is. So we can assume that this is written to women whose husbands are not believers, but the, the principles remain. Peter is basically saying, let your conduct be what wins him over. I heard John Piper talking about this, and he said, constantly reminding your husband that he's not a believer probably won't win him to Christ. He said, but you know what will win him to Christ? A woman who has dedicated her, herself to the Lord and exemplifies Christ-like behavior in her life and continues to love even through that. I don't know what it's like to be in a marriage relationship where my spouse is not on board with my faith. My heart goes out to you who are walking through that right now. I can only imagine how difficult that is. But stay the course, friends. Stay the course and trust that God is faithful and continue to pray. Some of you have been in that season maybe for years. Keep fighting the good fight. And he says, they may be one without a word. That is an interesting idea. I think it is very necessary to use words to preach the gospel. And we need to, we need to use words. But there is something there. Peter continues and he says in verse 3, Do not let your adorning be external by the braiding of hair or putting on of gold jewelry or clothing, uh, but let your adorning be in the hidden person of the heart. What, what Peter is simply saying here is this. You can't win your husband to Christ by looking really good for him. That's the idea here in its proper context in this passage. Peter's basically saying you can try to look good for him and be sexy for him. That will not win him to Christ. What will win him to Christ is him seeing Christ in you in the way that you live. And maybe there are men in the room this morning who have unbelieving wives, and you're here on your own. Continue to fight the good fight, brother. Fight the good fight and continue to show her Jesus. But there is something to be said here, because Peter says, let your beauty, if you will, be in the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. See, this idea of wives submitting to their husbands has been polluted in our culture, and it's associated with weakness. But God's design for the marriage relationship has nothing to do with the wife being weak in that sense that our culture puts the spin on. No, actually, this is a woman who's fearless, who's being described. She's fearless. She submits to her husband, not because she's afraid of her husband, not because there's this domineering macho man that says, I need to be in charge. I need to call the shots. That's not what is being described here by Peter. Peter is saying, submit to your husbands. And if the husband loves the wife and there is a respect from the wife and there is an understanding that they are a unit and they are a team, but the husband is called to lead the family, man, God can do great things in that marriage. Amen? He can do, he can move mountains through couples like that. You know, I had a premarital counseling, Natalie and I, with uh, Pastor Frank Starks. Pastor Frank Starks, man. He's got like the, the gospel passion in him. And he, uh, he said to me one time when we were in counseling, he goes, Shane, you need to make the decisions, but you need to hear your wife. And I was like, that's good advice. I, I can make decisions to lead my family, but I can also be very open to what my wife has to say. And far be it from us as husbands this morning to not hear our wives and to not see where they're coming from. And many times in our marriage, I've found that the Lord speaks through Natalie. And so I need to be quick to listen when it comes to my relationship with my wife. You can turn back to Proverbs. At the end of the day, that passage in Peter and the, our text this morning in Proverbs 31 is about one key component. It's about the pursuit of holiness that's what your life as a Christian is about. And I think if more Christians spent their life pursuing holiness, who do you have to pursue to pursue true holiness? Jesus. Jesus is holy. He is everything that is good. And so if you want to be more holy and you want to pursue a life of righteousness and purity, chase after Jesus. That's the call on your life as a Christian. Proverbs 31, 13. She seeks wool and flax. We have complimentary uh, distaffs at the back for all of you. Uh, we're going to have a wool spinning class. No, I'm just kidding. I, I know that, that some of this you're like, she, huh? She what? She's seeking wool and flax? 
I don't even know what flax is, really. I think I kind of know, but I don't know for sure. I wouldn't bet on it. But I'll tell you this. The idea here, in verse 13, the Hebrew transliteration, what it really means is she performs with desire and delight. You could say she does all things without grumbling or complaining. Anybody got that down today? I would love to know how you do it. Because even when we don't complain out loud, sometimes what's going on in here, we're complaining in here. And I feel like sometimes the Lord convicts me. He's like, you know, Shane, you didn't say that out loud, but I know what you're thinking. You know, he does, I've never heard a voice like that. That'd be cool. But uh, I, I, I just, I know that the Lord knows my thoughts. And so it's not just about what I say, but it's about the posture of my heart. So for the ladies this morning, a Proverbs 31 woman, if you will, a woman who fears the Lord, she does these things. She cares for her family. She cares for her husband, and she does it with delight. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when you see a marriage where the husband and the wife enjoy serving each other, isn't it? It, it, it should be something that in, in your marriage, you look at a marriage like that, and you're like, that's inspiring, for me. I want to be like that. I, I want to just share, Jerry and Sydney Flippin have been, I actually brought them on stage uh, maybe a year or two ago when I taught on marriage, and I had Jerry and Sydney come up because they've been married for like 62 years, and they, they're just like the cutest couple. Like, Jerry tells the story, he's like, well, I had this old convertible, and I was driving down to the taco shop, and Sydney was making tacos. And then, then they tell their little story, and I, she was walking down the street, and Jerry was like, hey, you want to go on a date? And then they went and got ice cream. It's like the perfect love story, right? But they've been through so much together, and they are a, just a, a well and a fountain of wisdom. And Nally and I have loved talking to them. And even before we had Melody, we were struggling to get pregnant. And Sydney said that uh, she had a stroke and she had a really close call with going home to be with the Lord. And, and she said, you know what, I'm just going to buy you these now because I don't know if I'll be around. And praise the Lord, Sydney's still around. And she gave us little girl clothes way before. And I was like, we don't need that. We're having boys, Okay. Right? And then even when the, we went and got the ultrasound, and Nally and I went to lunch, and we opened the envelope to see, you know, we didn't have a gender reveal party. I know that's the new thing, but we just figured we'd say, it's a girl. Um, the gender reveal parties are cool. You do you. Um, and so, <laughs> now you know where I stand with those. So, we, we uh, opened it at lunch, and I was so expecting a boy I have all brothers. She has all sisters. So we praise the Lord. We balance each other out. Um, this is why a daughter is foreign for me. See, I know boys things like, yeah, just don't punch each other. We're good. And um, we opened the envelope and it said girl. And I was like, nah, that's wrong. <laughs> like a licensed medical doctor looked at this and said, it's a girl. And I said to myself, nah, that's wrong. That can't be right. I think we were just totally expecting a boy. But, you know, there's something to be said for this, this desire in the relationship to be pure and to be with delight. Verse 14 says, she is like the ships of the merchant. She brings food from afar. For some of you, the merchant ship is Ralph's and Vaughn's, and that's fine. Just bring the food and your husband will probably be okay. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. In this culture, this would just mean female house servants. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. What does that mean? Do you need to go? Now, the husbands are like, hold on. Honey, you can't just go buy property tomorrow, Okay. I mean, you could. could work out for you. Probably not now. I would not recommend. But this is really what this is. is it's about a woman. Here's the simple principle. A godly, God-fearing woman uses her money wisely. All right, now I hit somebody. Now somebody's mad. They're like, what do you mean? What do you mean wisely? Yeah, I mean like maybe don't spend all of your money on things that are not that important. <laughs> and the guys struggle with this, but the ladies tend to struggle with this one a little bit, right? Like, you guys like to shop. Are there any, like, I shop till I drop in here? Are you unapologetically a shopper? We have one lady who's brave enough to raise her hand. The rest of you are liars, okay? 
I'm just kidding. I actually love to shop, maybe more than my wife. My wife has to rein me in. She's like, you don't need those shoes. I like shoes a lot. I like shoes on other people. I'll see a pair of shoes. I'm like, those are sick, dude. And then I buy them and then they sit on the shelf. And I'm like, I don't know. I put them on. I don't like them. And some of you are like, what do you mean you have a lot of shoes, Shane? You wear the same white Converse every Sunday. I know. I try on another pair and then I end up put. I don't know what happens. But by the time I get here, these are on my feet. I, I'm a creature of habit. No, I've actually been branching out a little bit. I have worn a couple different pairs of shoes lately. It's great. Um, But some of us, maybe we need to be better at how we spend our money. In fact, statistics on divorce show that a lot of divorces boil down to what? Money. Money, money, money. And we need to be united in our marriage relationships on how we are going to use our money. And here is what I will tell you, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian, I have seen this true in our lives uh, for my wife and I and for my family. When you make your tithing and your giving to the Lord and ministry the priority, God takes care of the rest. I'll tell you a quick story. My wife and I, after we bought our first home, we were barely making it. Like our mortgage nowadays is not what, mortgages are not what they used to be. And we, we got in the house, we got qualified, but it was like, it was tight, you know? And we, we were struggling the first couple of months, first year through uh, trying to make that mortgage payment. And we had a, a month, I remember in particular, where the first fell on a Monday. And Natalie and I looked at each other and we were like, I don't know how we're going to pay the mortgage. Like, if we've pulled from our savings over and over again, we're still newly married, trying to figure it out, trying to budget which are all good principles. And I will tell you that money management is a big deal and it needs to be probably more emphasized in the church because I think that a lot of Christians struggle to honor God with how they use their money. Amen? And so if you are struggling with your money practices this morning, seek counsel from those who have a better handle on it because it makes a huge difference and uh, it's really an important thing. Um, And it's certainly not everything. and, And some of us God's going to bless us abundantly, and some of you are very well-to-do, and I know that you are generous out of that abundance and stuff, and that's great. Some of us will live the rest of our lives paycheck to paycheck, and that's okay too. But here's what I will tell you. We had a Sunday. I came to church, leading worship, and I thought, I don't know how we're paying the mortgage tomorrow. Guy comes up to me after the second service. I'm packing up my stuff up here, and he hands me an envelope. Don't really know this guy. Met him once or twice, and he hands me an envelope, and he says, I don't know why, but God told me to give this to you, and that was pretty much the extent of the conversation. Put it in my pocket, forgot about it, took care of the rest of my stuff. I got home later that evening, Natalie and I are sitting on the couch, and I said, oh yeah, hey, so-and-so gave me this. Uh, I think it's just like a thank you letter for the worship. It's really nice. So we open it, and it is a check for the exact amount of money that we were short on our mortgage. I have seen, that's one of, I could tell you a dozen stories of just in our five short years of marriage where God has provided like that, like specifically down to the amount. And so here's what I'm saying. Make your money go to the Lord first and he will take care of the rest. Have we done that perfectly? No. We have had times where we didn't prioritize things correctly and we've learned the lesson the hard way. But when it comes to that, use your money wisely to the men and the women this morning. Whatever season you're in, honor God in how you use your finances. And so it says in uh, 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. She's a hard worker. And she puts her hands to the distaff, which again is just a tool for spinning wool. We're not giving them out this morning, I'm sorry. Might be kind of cool. And her hands hold the spindle. Now, I know that there are some in here this morning who might be asking this question. How do I keep up with this? Well, the intention of Proverbs 31 is not that you do this every day of your life. That's, this is a composition of godly characteristics in a woman that you can aspire towards. In fact, I was listening to a podcast this week with Pastor John Piper, and a woman wrote in, and she said this. She said, some of you, uh, she said, I, I read Proverbs 31, and it paints this picture of a strong and vigorous wife. She is up early in the morning and goes to bed late, constantly busy, and constantly caring for her family in different ways. When I look at this example in Proverbs 31, or even in other women in my church, I struggle and I feel confused on how I'm supposed to honor the Lord in spite of my physical disabilities. This woman has some physical disabilities where she can't be on her feet for long periods of time, and she has young kids, is what she goes on to explain in this interview. And John Piper's response, I thought, was so well done. He said, 
First, he took the lady to 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul has a thorn in his flesh. And we know that the answer from the Lord, when Paul says, please remove this from me, Lord, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. There are things in our lives, ailments, physical or mental, whatever they may be, that we might deal with our whole life. And sometimes God allows those things to stay there and we may not understand it. I believe our God is a God of miracles. I most certainly believe he can heal and he does heal. But it is not that in every situation there's going to be this miraculous healing. And sometimes we have to seek modern medicine. Sometimes we have to seek counsel. There are different situations. Sometimes in scripture, God heals. Sometimes God does not heal. In fact, I think of even David with Bathsheba when Bathsheba becomes pregnant and David prays and intercedes for that baby and that baby does not make it. How do you, how do you, how do you couple that scripture with the prosperity gospel? You can't because the prosperity gospel is a false gospel. Because your life as a Christian is not necessarily going to mean that every bill is paid and that you're always taken care of in every way that you think you should be taken care of. And that can be hard for us to accept. At the same time, our God is a God who desires to bless his children. But John Piper said this, God, to the response to this lady, does not put as high a premium on productivity as we think he does. Please hear this this morning. If you are feeling weary or feeling like you are less than, he puts a much higher premium on the qualities and characters and fruits of the Spirit that you can walk in even if you are flat on your back in a hospital bed. The form of faithfulness for a paraplegic is going to look very different than the form of faithfulness for an Olympic athlete. The form of their faithfulness is not measured by the same set of achievements. Our proverb says that strength and beauty are fleeting things. Some of you this morning look at this text and you say, I could never live up to this woman that's being described in scripture. Join the club. I'm not a woman, but I couldn't do all this either. No woman in this room could live up to this standard. Just as in the whole context of scripture, God laid out his holy law and all of us fall short, which is why that cross is necessary, which is why Jesus had to come. You are not going to be able to live up to this. Newsflash, you are imperfect. Yeah. Some of you think you're perfect this morning. You're not perfect. All right, so I just want to let you know. See, this is about the pursuit of holiness. The woman who fears the Lord, that is a beautiful woman. That is how God measures beauty. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's Proverbs 1.7. God is far more concerned about the inward, the heart of his children than he is about the outward things. Our world measures success and, and all the beauty by the outward, right? And isn't it really sad when you see like maybe a Hollywood star uh, holding on so tight to their once young beauty, right? And then you see them sometimes like you'll be watching. I grew up like listening to ZZ Top and Men at Work and, you know, Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith and, you know, Tom Petty. And sometimes you see those guys now, the ones that are still alive, and you're like, yikes. Right? You're like, man, you can play the guitar, but whoo, that is scary. Right? Years of cocaine and drugs turns out doesn't do well for the skin. And some people are holding on so tight to the way that they look, right? And for the ladies and the men, we struggle with this as human beings. We put a lot of emphasis on the way that we look. Some of you got up extra early this morning. Your lamp didn't go out last night, but it wasn't because you were caring for the household. You were like doing your hair and your makeup, and you really think that a lot of your beauty comes down to how you look this morning. It doesn't. Now, I'm not saying that you show up to church in flip-flops and sweatpants and you're like, Lord loves me how I am. That's true. You can still try. It's okay. For the sake of your husband, still try. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be beautiful. But here's what I'm saying. I know some of you are like, man, he is in big trouble. Okay? I'm just telling you what Proverbs 31 says, okay? We need to put more emphasis on the posture of our heart. In fact... When Samuel goes to anoint King David, 
He doesn't know that it's going to be David yet. He shows up, and he looks at all of David's brothers. Some of them are probably big, strapping guys, handsome, tall, whatever. Samuel looks at Eliab in 1 Samuel 16. He says, it must be this guy. And the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, do not look on his appearance or on his height or his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God is far more concerned about where your heart is at this morning. Now, I believe in honoring the Lord with your body. My wife and I exercise regularly. We've made it a part of our our lifestyle to eat relatively clean and work out together. In fact, that's a lot of the time Natalie and I spend together is when we get off work, we work out together. And that's a way we connect and we'll catch up with each other on our day. And we're also taking care of our bodies at the same time. I think that's a healthy practice. Even if it's a walk, you know, a great way to get connected with your spouse again, go on walks every evening. Maybe some of you are empty nesters now. Go on walks at night and spend some time with your spouse. Go grab a cup of coffee. Spend time. But the Lord looks on the heart. The the physical things are far less important to him. Or Psalm 147, verse 10 says, He takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in the human might, the human strength. No, the Lord delights in those who fear him and who put their hope in his unfailing love. Some of you can lift a lot of weights at the gym. Friend, God is not sitting in heaven like, wow, that's pretty good. He made the universe. You can't impress him with your 325. Get out of here, man. Okay? Although I do say, sometimes I see these power lifters. I saw a guy broke the world record the other day. He squatted like 700 pounds or something, like 1,000 pounds, I think. And he's like, you know, it's just this huge, like, he's probably a Russian dude or something. Just crazy. He's like a bear of a man. And I was like, that's crazy. But can you think about, like, that's not even that much weight? Like, actually? (laughs) Like, you think about how much stuff weighs in the world? Like, a thousand pounds is not much. And God, it says he holds the universe in his hands. He's not impressed by how strong you are, man. So, and the ladies, do you hear that? Amen. (laughs) They don't care. I will tell you, this is just a random side note, not in my notes. I have found that most women don't care how much weight you can lift. Did you know that? They don't really care. They want a guy that's going to care for them and protect them and love them. It's crazy. I know a book that talks about those principles. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I had a professor in college. His name was Dave Shirley. And he taught a class called Marriage Talks. And he was a great professor, a lot of great insight, but he had, he was Southern. He had this little saying, he'd say, you know, good looking don't last, but good cooking does. <laughs> That's biblical wisdom right there, friend. Okay. Now some of you can't cook. That's fine. Hopefully your husband can cook. If not, there's a lot of ways to get food. Now you can order right online, Postmates. But really this is about a pursuit of being like Jesus. That's what Proverbs 31 is about. Verse 20, we'll kind of wrap up our time here this morning. She opens her hand to the poor and she reaches out her hand to the needy. Yes, a woman who fears the Lord is compassionate. My wife is so compassionate. I see her heart for the needy and for other people. And, and that's, that's, a, that's an attractive thing and it's a precious thing in the sight of our Heavenly Father. Have a heart for those who are less fortunate. She is not afraid of the snow, and this just simply means because she's taking care of her house well. She doesn't fear. She makes bed coverings for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. What does this mean? It just means that she goes above and beyond. That, yes, basic um, linens would suffice, but she's gone above and beyond. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. The idea here is because this woman is strong in the Lord and is taking care of her duties as a wife. The husband can sit among the elders and be respected. She makes linen garments and sells them, and she delivers sashes to the merchants. 25 through 31. This is our last section for this morning. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. What does that mean? Well, that means that her house is so well taken care of, she does not fear the future because she trusts in the Lord. This is a big deal for us today. Anxiety is at an all-time high. Mental illness is at an all-time high. People are so afraid of what will come next. But the 
the proverb brings us back to this idea as an encouragement for this morning. Be encouraged that a woman who fears the Lord, or not even a woman, any person who fears the Lord and trusts in him will have peace about the future. I know that I'm seeing the same stuff you guys are seeing about our country right now, our government. I think about my little baby girl and what the future is going to look like for her. But I have to trust that the Lord is in control. I can't bear that burden. So I must trust that the Lord has her in the palm of his hands. She opens her mouth and wisdom and teaching of kindness are on her tongue. And the Bible talks a lot about this, the words that we say and the human tongue. This might be a struggle for some of the ladies this morning. Gossip, slander, those are things that do not please the Lord. And we are really good as human beings at justifying that stuff, aren't we? Well, I mean, I, I was letting them know that she needed prayer. Yeah, after you ran her through the mud for 10 minutes, then you were like, let's pray. Mm, we laugh because we've all seen it, Right? James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously without reproach, and it will be given him. James goes on to say, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We see it. With it, this is a sombering verse, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in his image. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. James also says in 3.2 that if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect. <laughs> yeah, because every one of us struggle to tame the tongue. But it will be through the Lord's discernment and a healthy fear of the Lord that we will be more cautious about the things we say. 27 says, she looks well, Proverbs 31, to the ways of her household, and she does not eat the bread of idleness. What is this verse saying? Well, it's simply saying she's not lazy. And that is a big deal. Passivity leads to anxiety. Because when I haven't taken care of the things I need to take care of, I can become anxious about the things I need to take care of because now I'm behind schedule. Some of you are in college right now, and you love putting off those last minute, like you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that project, but I'm gonna do it like the day before it's due. And then you're overcome. And then I see people, they're like, pray for me. I'm so overwhelmed right now. This project's due tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, you should have started two weeks ago. No wonder you're anxious. And we all do that in different areas of our lives. So when you are proactive and you're not lazy or passive, it will also alleviate anxiety. So we need to be people who are not lazy. Her children rise up and call her blessed and her husband also. And he praises her. Don't miss that gentleman this morning that there is recognition given to the spouse, that the wife is recognized regularly by her husband and praised. And I want to look at our last two verses today. This is where we'll close. Charm is deceitful. And, and what you see in 29 is the husband coming out to the forefront. He's been describing this woman and now speaking to his wife directly. He says, many women have done excellently, but all sur you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A godly woman in Proverbs 31 has one defining trait from which all the other things we talked about this morning spring forth. She fears the Lord. Amen? Ladies, if you are struggling with your self-worth this morning, stop measuring your beauty by what the culture says by what other people say, or even by the way you feel. Instead, measure your beauty based on what God has said is beautiful and precious. I look around the room and I see so many amazing mothers. I also see so many women who are not yet mothers. Be praying for your future kids. Be praying that God would equip you. I see some of you who are now done being a mother in the sense that your kids are out of the house. You'll always be a mother. And then I know that there are some who never had the privilege of having kids. You can still be a mother figure, and you should be discipling young women. Don't miss that this morning. 
to the gentleman. Maybe your kids are, they're grown up now and you're empty nester. Find a young man who you can disciple in the ways of the Lord. That is a biblical principle. And discipleship and genuinely caring about the next generation is what will keep this church afloat and the church of Jesus Christ afloat. Is us investing in the next generation. And so we need to be chasing after the things of God. This world has polluted what beauty looks like. But Proverbs 31 is one place in Scripture of many where we can go back to the Word of God and we can say, no, that standard is corrupt and broken. God says this is what beauty looks like. Amen? Amen. So I pray that you'd be encouraged this morning. I know that some of you, like I said earlier, this is a tough day. For some of you, this is a great day. But I pray that you would be encouraged this morning to know that your identity, this is what it is to be a Christian, is in Jesus Christ alone. It's not in anything else. And I want to do something. Can we just applaud and recognize our mothers this morning? Can we thank them for everything that they do? Yes. Thank you guys so much for what you do. Thank you for your faithfulness. Um, I know it's not easy, and we are learning that right now with Melody, that there's just so many things that uh, when you're, before you have kids, you don't realize everything that goes into this. So God bless you guys. Here's my, my last exhortation to you. Husbands, love your wives today. Remind them that they are precious. Spoil them today. Buy them flowers. Take them to lunch. Today, you don't get to take a nap. Sorry, she's taking a nap today. You got the kids, man. It's Mother's Day, okay? Hey, the Word of God is so rich and so so good to go back to and remind us. Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you for the fact that you are the author of all things good. Lord, as we uh, continue to pursue you this morning, I pray that we would be children of God who chase after your heart. I pray for each lady here this morning, no matter what season they are in, a mother, uh, uh, you know, their, maybe their husband has since passed, Lord, Maybe they're not a mother yet. Maybe they're an empty nester. Whatever they are in right now, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them this morning, that, that the men in their lives would remind them how precious they are, that they'd be built up by the women around them. And we pray that you would receive all the glory for any good from this morning. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have ordained what the family is supposed to look like. May we walk in that and stand firm in that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer after the service today, please, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Happy Mother's Day. I really genuinely hope that you guys have a fantastic day, that you get time with family. And maybe this, maybe one of you, somebody in this room has a broken relationship with a mom. Maybe today's the day you pick up the phone and you make the call. And I don't know if that's for somebody this morning, but maybe today's the day that you make the call and you reconnect. So whatever that's worth, God bless you guys, and let's stand and sing together as we close.